Thank you for listening to the Reclaim Church podcast. We hope that this message is a blessing to your life. For more information on our church, you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at ReclaimTX. Now please enjoy this message. If you're here, you need to hear this. And so um, I'm hoping that this message today kind of opens our eyes to some, some of the scripture that really points us in the right direction of the Holy Spirit, who he is, and what he does in our lives. And so um, the title of the message today is called The Ultimate Gift. And, and we're in a series called Joy, The King Has Arrived. And really what we're talking about is the coming of, coming of our Savior, right? And, and we celebrate Christmas, and, and it's all very exciting. To be honest, it's my favorite time of the year. I don't know if you guys all like this. Like once a year, once we get into October, November, December, like that is the best time of the year. It's cold. It's, it's, it's exciting. There's holidays. There's family and friends. And, and to me, it's my favorite time of the year. And, and really, the, the season that it is, it's a season of showing gratitude to one another, really showing each other that you love each other, right? And, and, and some of us uh, do it in different ways, but a lot of times it's, it's usually by giving a gift of some kind. And so it's my favorite time of the, of the year, and, and really, I don't know if you've noticed this, but it's almost like without the world knowing, everybody's celebrating Jesus. And, and I think to me that is the most exciting time of the year when the world gets together and celebrates the, 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 the birth of our Savior. And, and I love going to like the market and you hear Christmas songs, right? Um, I play Christmas songs starting November 1st. I know that's a little bit early, um, but that's just how I do it. And the Christmas songs are all over the market, and they're singing about the Savior being born. And I'm just, like, always amazed by that, that it's like, man, this is everywhere. Everybody's celebrating Jesus without even really knowing it. And really what I want to talk about today is the fact that, that Jesus didn't just come down as a gift, but when Jesus left, he gave us the ultimate gift, which we know as the Holy Spirit. And we're going to get into that a little bit today. And so if we can, could you bow your heads and pray with me this morning? Father, we thank you, Lord, for everything that you've done in our lives. Lord, I pray that you'd help me to get this message through, Lord. I don't want to say anything that's my, of, of my own flesh or my thoughts or my opinions. God, I want it to be everything that's led by your spirit. So, Lord, I ask, God, that you would speak to us today. Father, I pray that every heart, every mind will be open to receive what you want to say. Lord, you are the teacher. God, you're the one who reveals the things about, about yourself to us. So, Lord, I pray that you would help us to understand what you're trying to say today. In Jesus' name, amen. So Jesus comes, uh, really, this, this, whole, this whole season about Jesus coming on the scene and, and, and setting up this amazing um, sacrifice for our sins. And he really, you know, as we know, he gives up his own life for us. But when Jesus is leaving, he leaves us a promise. And so today I want to talk about three things. I want to talk about promise, position, and power. And so if you're taking notes, you can write that down. If not, that's okay. I'm sure you'll remember everything that is said today. Uh, <laughs> just kidding. But promise, position, and power. The first thing we're going to talk about is promise. In John chapter 7, verse 37 through 40, it says, Now on the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke of the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For the Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. So what is he saying here? He's saying, those who believe in me, there's going to be a, a river of living water flowing within them. And as the scripture is saying, he's referring to the Holy Spirit. Now, we understand, and we're going to kind of get into that a little bit more. Um, there's a lot of things I did want to teach today that I just didn't have the room for in, in this message. But, but it's so, Scripture is so deep, and it's so 
it is so, um, I guess, deep and, and, and I, I'm, the word I'm thinking of is smart because it just all makes sense. The way that, that scripture talks about the Holy Spirit. But Jesus had to ascend back into heaven after his death and resurrection. He ascends to heaven. Then he's seated at the right hand of the Father. But he sends down the Holy Spirit. But who is the Holy Spirit? Now, a lot of us, when we hear about the Holy Spirit, we think of this force, right? Like, ooh, the Holy Spirit. Like, it's like this mysterious um, thing that we can't really know, but we feel. It's almost like you can't really explain him, and you don't know what he looks like, and he's very mysterious. But the truth is the Holy Spirit, although we cannot see him, and although, yes, there is mystery to him, the Holy Spirit is a unique person. He's a unique individual. We see this in John chapter 16, verse 7. Where Jesus says, but I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. He doesn't say I will send it to you. He says I will send him to you. And there's so much, again, there's so much depth to this, to this scripture, which we're going to get into a little bit more. But So the Holy Spirit, we have to understand before we move forward with, with learning about, about the Holy Spirit and what he does in our lives, we have to understand and we have to come to this, this um, revelation within our spirit that the Holy Spirit is a unique person. Now, the reason that's important is because oftentimes, what do we do? We, we picture God as far away, right? God in heaven, and he's looking down on us, and, and he feels sometimes distant. And then we think about Jesus. Well, Jesus was a man, and he died, and now, again, he's at the right hand of the Father. And sometimes it can feel like we're by ourselves, and we're, we're in this walk with the Lord, and it's, it's really difficult, or it feels lonely. But if we begin to understand the Holy Spirit as who he is, a unique person, then we can understand that we, have the close, we are close to God at all times. Do you, do you kind of understand what I'm saying? Okay. If you have any questions, I'm just kidding. We're gonna, if you have a question, we can talk about it afterwards. Um, but the Holy Spirit is a unique person. We have to get that, okay? We have to understand that. The Holy Spirit is the revealer of the things of God and God himself. In, in John chapter 14, verse 26 says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. 1 Corinthians 2, 10 through 13 says, For to us God revealed them through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the Spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, the thoughts of God no one knows except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, so that we may know the things freely given to us by God, which things we also speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the Spirit, combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. It's the Holy Spirit that teaches us the things of God. Now listen, I can be the best teacher in the world, which I know that I'm not, but I'm working on it, okay? I can be the best, most clear, the smartest guy you'd ever meet, teacher in the world, but I cannot teach you the depths of God. I cannot reveal the depths of God to you. I can point you to Scripture, and I can give you a lesson, I can, and I can study it and show you what I've studied and what the Lord has revealed to me, but only the Holy Spirit can reveal to you the things of God. That's why so often, we, sometimes we come to church or we read the Bible. You ever read your Bible and you're like, you, you read like a whole chapter and then you close it and you're like, I don't even know what I just read. Does that ever happen to anybody, right? And I think one of the reasons that that happens is because we try to function in the things we know to be right as far as reading and praying and going to church, but we do it without the help of the Holy Spirit. 
So when we're trying to understand the things of God, if we don't have the Holy Spirit working within our lives, the things of God will never be revealed to us because he is the revealer of the things of God and the revealer of God himself. Does that make sense? And so that's why us as a church, we are so big and we will always be big on the Holy Spirit. We don't, we're not ashamed of him. We're not afraid of what he can do. We're not going to push him out of our churches. We're not going to do that because we understand that the Holy Spirit is the only one who can reveal the things of God to us and bring us close to the Lord. And I don't know about you, but I need that, right? And I know we as a church need that. So the Holy Spirit is a unique person. The Holy Spirit is the revealer of the things of God and the revealer of God. Number three, the Holy Spirit is one with God. Now I'm going to show you some scriptures that, that can kind of help us out here. Now again, if we want to get into it a little bit deeper, there's a lot of scripture that you can go deep into this subject and you can go deep into it. But I want to kind of get, in, get through this so we understand who he is. So Jesus says this in John chapter 10, verse 30 through 28. He says, I and the Father are one. Right? That's kind of a, a, a known thing. We understand Jesus and God are one. It's the Father and the Son. And then Jesus says this in, in John chapter 14, verse 9 through 11. He says, Have I been so long with you, and yet you have not come to know me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, Show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak of my own initiative, but the Father abiding in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Otherwise, believe because of the works themselves. So we established here that Jesus is saying what? I am one with the Father, right? Now the question would be like, okay, well, where does the Spirit come through? Now this is, where, this is where the Spirit comes in. Now obviously the Spirit is flowing through Scripture from the Old Testament all the way to where we're at right now. But in John chapter 14, verse 16 through 18, Jesus says this, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper that he may be with you forever, that is a spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him, but you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. Now this word another, now I'm not, I'm not a big scholar, I'm not, I don't always pull out Greek and Hebrew and say, okay, this word used to mean this and this, but I, I feel like it's so important for this, for this topic because we have to understand scripture. And we have to understand the truth. Now, this word, I'm going I'm to kind of read a little paragraph that's written here. It says, the phrase translated, another comforter in the verse above that we just read, is alos. And again, I'm going to mess this up. It's a different language. Forgive me, all right? Alos parakletos. Also, alos is a Greek word which means another. And parakletos means comforter. There is another Greek word that can also be translated another. That word is heteros. It is telling that Jesus chose Alos instead of heteros in describing the Holy Spirit as a comforter. Now, what is he saying? He's saying there's two different words for another in this language. It's alos and heteros. Now, listen. Heteros means another of a different kind, while alos means another of the same kind. By calling the Holy Spirit alos, Jesus was saying that the Holy Spirit was exactly like him. Indeed, that was the reason why the disciples were comforted when they knew that even though their comforter, master, and friend Jesus was leading, another one who was exactly like him was going to take place to comfort, counsel, help, intercede for, advocate for, strengthen, and stand by support for them. So if Jesus is one with the Father, then the Spirit is one with the Father and the Son because the Spirit is just like Jesus. Is that making sense this morning? So I think that's so important that we understand that because, again, when we talk about the Holy Spirit, and I know that you've heard me mention him plenty of times, but when we talk about him, we think of him as this mysterious, out of place, 
we'll never be able to talk to him or touch him. We don't understand him. And so we picture him as distant. But when we begin to understand that the Holy Spirit is God working amongst us today, then it opens our eyes to say, okay, I can understand that a little bit more, right? The Holy Spirit is just like Jesus. So this is who the Holy Spirit is. And the truth is the Holy Spirit is within us. Amen. I'm going to take, I'm going to be quiet for a little bit and drink some coffee. I really hope this is helping you. I know this is a different style of teaching that I normally do, but I, I'm praying that this kind of helps us open our eyes to, to who he is in us. And so the Holy Spirit lives within our hearts. In John chapter 14, verse 17, we just read this. It says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper, that he may be with you forever. That is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him, but you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. 2 Corinthians 1, 21 through 22 says, Now he who establishes us in, excuse me, us with you in Christ and anointed us is God, who also sealed, sealed us and gave us the Spirit in our hearts as a pledge. The Holy Spirit dwells within you. This is just, this is the truth, is that you have the Holy Spirit within your own life. This is the promise from God. This is a promise from Jesus saying, listen, I'm going to go. I'm gonna, I, I got to go, I got to ascend, but when I ascend, I'm sending you the helper who is just like me. I'm sending you someone who is just like me, but the difference with, between Jesus and the Holy Spirit is Jesus was God with us, the Holy Spirit is God in us. So you have a replica, you can say, really, it's, it's, it's God himself within you. This is what scripture teaches us. This is what we understand. And because the Holy Spirit is in us, can I tell you this, that you are never alone. You ever have those seasons in life where you feel like you're by yourself? You feel like God is not there. You feel like people are not there for you. You feel like nobody understands you and nobody can help you. Can I encourage you by saying this? Because the Holy Spirit dwells within you. You are never alone. John 14 verse 18 says, I will will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Matthew 28, 19 through 20 says, go therefore and make disciples. Jesus is giving us this commission. says, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all things I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always. Even to the end of the age. How can Jesus be with us always if he's sitting at the right hand of the Father? It's because of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is with us always. And the Holy Spirit is one with the Father and with the Son. Is this making sense this morning? Okay. So what is he telling? He's saying, look, you're never going to be by yourself. You're never going to walk this journey of faith alone. Now listen, as a pastor, I will tell you this up front. I've said it many times. I will fail you. I will say things or do things that you may not agree with. I will not always be able to be there whenever you need something. That's just the reality because I am a regular human being. You will fail people. You will not always be able to be there for somebody. That's just the way that life is. But the Holy Spirit will always be with you. The Holy Spirit will never leave you by yourself. Jesus says, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm going to be with you all the time because he's sending us the Holy Spirit. And this is the beautiful thing about the Holy Spirit is he is available to everyone and anyone. The Holy Spirit is not, he's not exclusive to to the, the elite Christian. 
He's not exclusive to the Christian who's been saved or going to church longer than you have. He's not exclusive to, to the churchgoer who, who looks like they've got it together. He's not exclusive to those people. He is available to anyone who will believe and anyone who will ask. I feel like that's good news. I don't know if this is just like a real slow Sunday or everybody just wants to be quiet today, but it's okay. I guess I'll just stop pointing that out. Anyway, um, <laughs> Luke, 11, my wife says yes. Luke eleven nine through 13 says, so I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For anyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. Now suppose one of you fathers is asked by his son for a fish. He will not give him a snake instead of a fish, will he? Or if he asks for an egg, he will not give him a scorpion, will he? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your, will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask of him? We take this scripture and what do we say? We say, well, just ask God. He'll give it to you. And we kind of apply it to everything, right? Like, you need a house? Ask and it will be given to you. You need money? Ask and it will be given to you. Although, yes, God is the provider of all these things. But this scripture, he's talking about something so much more important than, than temporal, temporal necessities. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. He's saying anybody who asks, God is such a good father that he will give you what you ask for. Now we need the Holy Spirit. It's, it's important that we have the Holy Spirit because he is the one, again, who reveals the things of God to us. But he does so much more. The Holy Spirit is a gift from God that is available if you just ask. I feel like we've kind of been trained to think of God a certain way. And we've been trained to think of God like, oh, I have to earn these things, or I have to, I have to do all the right things and all the right steps in order to get into the presence of God, or I have to, you know, like I, talk, I, talk, I tell you guys that, that you could be intimate with the Lord and you can know him deeply, but, but immediately what do we think about? We think about all the reasons why we cannot be that way, Right? Well, you don't know what I'm going through. You don't know how I feel. You don't know what, what my family is going through. You don't know how, how my mind thinks. You don't know how, how much I actually sin. You don't know the mistakes that I made. You can't tell me that I can enter into the presence of God because you don't know my current situation. But Scripture tells us, Jesus doesn't say that those who are in the right place, if they ask, they will receive it. Jesus doesn't say that those who do the right things, if they ask, they'll receive it. He's not saying that. What does he say? Anyone who seeks will find it. Anyone who knocks, the door will be open. Anyone who asks will receive because God is a good God who gives good gifts to his children. And the best gift that he is giving us is himself, which is the Holy Spirit. But don't let religion and, and the way that you used to think cause you to miss out on what God wants to do in your life right now. Because isn't that what we do? We immediately go to the past. Immediately go to our mistakes. But scripture says all you got to do is ask. Because the Holy Spirit not only reveals the things of God to us, but the Holy Spirit is a promise that positions us in right standing with the Father. It's the Holy Spirit. So we, hear, we see this in, in John chapter 3 verse 5. It says, Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. It's the Holy Spirit that allows us to be born again. 
It's the Holy Spirit that, what, is, what does that mean to be born again? It means that we are being united with the Father. We are being one with the Father. 1 Corinthians 6, 17 says, but the one who joins himself to the Lord is one spirit with him. When we are born again, when we come to the Lord and we say, God, I'm giving you my life. I believe in you. What does the scripture tell us? It says we become one with God. Too many times do we allow the way the world thinks about salvation and the way the world, the church talks about salvation to get us to think that when we get saved, we're not really saved. But immediately, as soon as you surrender your life and you believe on the Lord Jesus, you become one with God. We receive the Holy Spirit at salvation. When you come to Jesus and you give your life to him, you immediately receive the Holy Spirit to help you. Because the Holy Spirit, just he doesn't just empower you to live right. He positions you to, to be right with God. Is this making sense? Ephesians 1.13 says, In him you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed with him, with the Holy Spirit of promise. Again, it doesn't say once you've done growth track and once you've done ministry and once you've gone to church a few, few months, maybe three to six months, then that's a good, that sounds like a good time, right? Timelines, three to six months, that means I'm doing pretty good. That's not what it says. It says when you come and you believe the message, you are sealed with him. You are sealed as a child of God. See, this is different from being baptized by the Holy Spirit, which we're going to talk about that a little bit in just, in just a minute. But the Holy Spirit gives us this new position with the Father that we are now his children. Because it's the Holy Spirit that unites us and makes us one with God. Is this making sense? Romans 8.15 says, For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father, Galatians 4, 6 says, because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into, your, into our hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. We become one with the spirit, so therefore we are children of God. The Holy Spirit, is, he does this thing where he, he doesn't just position us with God, but he reminds us of our new position. How often do we forget that? How often do we forget, man, I'm a child of God. I'm saved. I'm forgiven. I'm made new. I mean, again, I, I often forget those things. There's many times where I have to battle my own thoughts of like, man, God's mad at me. Or God's upset with me. And I know it's probably just me, which is okay. Right? We battle these things. These are things that we struggle with. But it's the Holy Spirit that reminds us. The next, the next verse, Romans 8, 16, says the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. The Holy Spirit in you tells you that you're God's child. He, he reminds you daily, listen, God loves you. That's a notification from the Holy Spirit right there saying, listen, the Lord loves you. God loves you. God cares about you. You're his son. You're his daughter. He reminds us every single day. But, but if we're honest, right, what do we do? We think that's just ourselves talking to ourselves, right? Oh, that's just me. Oh, that's just me. 
And for some reason, like, why would we think that about ourselves? I don't know. But he's reminding you. He's telling you, you're a child of God. Now, now sometimes we, we, we get away from this, and, and sometimes we, we begin to struggle with these thoughts, and we begin to struggle with the doubts, and we struggle with our faith. Could it be the reason you struggle with your faith so much is because you don't communicate with the Holy Spirit that's living inside of you? Could it be that the reason we walk in doubt, the reason we walk in weakness is because we have the power within us, but we never communicate? We never, we never intentionally spend time with the spirit that's already in us? That is why when we're far from him, when we're ignoring his voice, that's why in those seasons we feel like God is angry. That's why we feel like God doesn't want us. That's why we feel like we've lost our salvation and we've lost our sonship or, or we're no longer a daughter that's those seasons where we're distant from him. Because it's never our own flesh that will tell us we're good enough for the Lord. It's always the Holy Spirit. It is always the Holy Spirit that reminds you that you are a child of God. It says he testifies with our spirit. Reminding us of our new position and our new identity. And this new identity pushes us to a new life. See, this is why Jesus came to the earth. We celebrate this idea of joy. The king has arrived. And I know we talk about, you know, the baby in the manger. And I know that's like the main story of Christmas. But, but this is why Jesus came as a man. Jesus needed to show us the example of what it's like to walk as a child of God. So Jesus came as a man. John John 1, 1 through 4, and then verse 14, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Verse 14, it says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory. Glory as, as the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. Hebrews 2, 9 says, But... But we do not see him who was made for a little while lower than the angels, namely Jesus, because of the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everybody. So Jesus came as a man. He, he allowed himself to become a little lower than the angels so that he can die in the flesh and raise in the spirit. Jesus came to show us that you need to have the Holy Spirit within you to accomplish the work that God wants to do with your life. He died in the flesh and he was raised to life by the Spirit. Romans 8.11 says, But if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells within you. It was, it was the Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. Isn't that amazing that it wasn't, it wasn't that Jesus did it all by himself. It was the Holy Spirit that raised him from the dead. He raised him to new life so that we can also be raised to new life by the Holy Spirit. This is, this is the Christianity that we talk about. This is salvation that we talk about, that we would receive life that is given by the Spirit of God. Now, again, you can say, well, well, we're still in our mortal bodies and it still looks the same. Yes, that's true. But our spirit has been brought to life. The scripture says that those who were dead in trespasses, those who were dead in spirit, have been raised to life because of Christ. Is this making sense this morning? 
to me, when I was reading this, I was like, oh my gosh, like this is all clicking. The Lord is speaking to me that it's the power of the Holy Spirit that doesn't just enable you to, to walk in power and just doesn't enable you to not sin. It positions you as a child of God and as a saved individual. Again, this is something to celebrate. This is the promise that was given. The Holy Spirit. And we can only have new life by him. That's the only way that if you ever wonder, well, when am I going to get it right? And when, when am I going to really feel saved? And when am I going to really feel like I, like I know God? And when am I going to ever feel like I'm deep with the Lord? And, and all these different, like, like when is the Bible going to make sense to me? And when is, when is the sermons and the scriptures and all that going to make sense to me? As soon as you surrender your life to the Holy Spirit, he'll begin to speak to you. Because it's at salvation that you receive the Holy Spirit. Now, that's the promise. So we talked about the promise that God has given us, how he puts us in a new position. Now we're children of God. That's, that's having the Holy Spirit. But what does it mean to be baptized in the Holy Spirit? Now this, this um, I'm going to need some music for this. So if you want to get David, if you want to come up here, that'd be great. Um, it's going to help me out. His guitar soothes me. No, I'm just kidding. Um, you have the... So the power of the Holy Spirit, it's the baptism of the Holy Spirit, because at, at salvation we receive the Holy Spirit. But Brother Gary and I were actually just talking about this this morning that there's so much depth to the Holy Spirit that you can always receive something new. That I think that's so amazing. Like, like when people say, well, I got bored with God, I'm like, man, you may have got bored with church, but you can't get bored with God. Because there's so much depth to him. You will always have something new. Like, I've been a Christian. I've been saved, serving the Lord now for over 10 years, I think. Whatever. Let's just say that. For sure, over 10 years. Okay. And as I'm reading the scripture, I'm still being amazed by his truth. Even Brother Gary, he said he's been saved for a, a long time. And he said, I'm still receiving new things from God. Because that's how big and deep and good God is. So what does it mean to be baptized by the Holy Spirit? See, baptism of the Holy Spirit is different than the filling at salvation. Now we see this in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 19, verse 1 through 6, it says, it happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the upper country and came to Ephesus and found some disciples. He said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said to him, no, we have not even heard that there was a Holy Spirit. And he said to and he said, into what then were you baptized? And they said, into John's baptism. Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in him who was coming after him, that is in Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began speaking with tongues and prophesying. This was a, a group of individuals who were already saved. These were John's disciples. And he goes to them, he's like, hey, you're saved, you're in it, but have you been baptized with the Holy Spirit? Because they had received that in Acts chapter 2, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And they're like, no, we didn't even hear about this. We didn't know this was happening. And he's like, man, I got something for you. Because the baptism of the Holy Spirit is an event, a different time of our life and our walk with the Lord where something changes. 
We see that even Jesus was baptized by the Holy Spirit. In Matthew 3, 16, it says after being baptized, this is after he was baptized in the water. Immediately, he came up from the water, and behold, the heavens were open, and he saw the Spirit of God descending on him as a dove and lighting on him. The Holy Spirit was coming upon Jesus. Yes, the Holy Spirit is within us at salvation. At salvation, you, re you, you, you receive the fullness of God within your spirit. But at baptism, that which was received at salvation is unlocked in your life. And it begins to flow. That's why Jesus says, if you, those who believe in me will receive what? Rivers of living water. And then it says, he was talking about the spirit that they would receive but, but didn't have yet because he hadn't yet been glorified. So what is Jesus saying to us? He's saying, listen, there's something inside of you that needs to be unlocked. And it's a river of living water. It's the power to do the will of God. It's the baptism of the Holy Spirit that empowers you. See, even Jesus was empowered by the Holy Spirit. And if Jesus was empowered by the Holy Spirit, how much more do we need to be? Romans 8, 11, again, it says it was the Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead. Matthew chapter 12, verse 28, Jesus says, but if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has, a, has come upon you. Jesus didn't say, I do it by the power of myself. He says, I cast them out by the Spirit of God. It was the Holy Spirit who led Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted. That was the Holy Spirit. It was the Holy Spirit who empowered Jesus to do all the miracles. He says it. I'm just here to do the work of my Father. It wasn't Jesus within himself. And if Jesus needed this Holy Spirit to work in his life, how much more? How much more do we need it? In the Great Commission, Jesus is telling, look, go into all the world, preach the gospel, cast out demons, heal the sick, speak with new tongues, make disciples, baptize them. These are all the things that he asks us to do. My, que my question, and I begin to wonder this, is why don't we see that in the churches today? It's, it's not even like we don't see healing. We don't see discipleship. Because too many people want to just come into church and leave. Yeah, we'll hang out, we'll talk, and we're, we're good friends. But, but once it gets to that level of discipleship, it's like, wait, 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 wait. Why? Because if we're not empowered by the Holy Spirit, we cannot disciple or be discipled. It's the Holy Spirit that empowers us to do these things. How do we know that? Because Jesus said this. In Acts chapter 1, verse 45, it says, Gathering them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for, the, for what the Father had promised, which, he said, you heard of from me. For John baptized you with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So Jesus is saying, look, you're going to do all these things? Cast out demons, heal the sick, speak with new tongues, make disciples, baptize them, spread the gospel, but don't do it yet because you need the Holy Spirit to do it. Saying you need to wait. That empowerment of the Holy Spirit. See, baptism of the Holy Spirit comes to those who are fully surrendered to God. It's like a river of living water. Now, I'm going to share this story. And it kind of makes sense to the, the sermon, but I just wanted to say it anyway. I went hunting one time, and um, I shared this with the guys at our guys meeting. 
And um, I went with Pastor Angel Flores from Pflugerville. And I'm not a big, like, outdoor guy. Like, it's just, I, I think, I thought hunting was fun. I also go from time to time, I guess, when I want to pay for my license. But um, he, he invited me. He was like a random, hey, let's go hunting today. It was like 4 o'clock or 3 o'clock. I'm like, yeah, sure. And I get outside, and in his truck, he has a kayak. And I'm like, wait a minute. This seems a little more dangerous than normal hunting trip. He's like, no, no, we're good. Let's go, all right? So long story short, we get to the place, and, and the, river, the river is running in the direction that we need to go. Oh, this is easy, right? So we're in we're in the kayaks. He's got the one in front. I'm, you know, we're in our own separate ones, and I'm just I'm I'm just riding with the river. I'm like, man, this is nice. I kind of like steering the direction I need to go. I'm like, man, this is cool, right? Enjoying the nature, and then we get to the spot, and then we're 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 hunting hawks. So we're looking around for them, and we end up waiting for them. But then as I'm waiting, I begin to think, we have to go back, eventually, and that river is not flowing the way I need it to flow. So I'm like. I don't know what I'm going to do. This is going to be, anyway, so I'm like, whatever, I'll, I'll, we'll figure out when we get there. Maybe it won't be that bad. And so we end up leaving, and as we're walking, I'm like, it's getting very dark here. Like, it's no, like, you know when it's about to be night? And so we're there, and I'm like, and we're no, we're no close to our spot. I'm like, okay, all right, whatever. So I'm, I'm not, I'm not freaking out, because if I freak, if I freak out, he's got a good story to tell, so I'm not freaking out. So we get to the, we get to the end, we get to the little bank where our kayaks are, and it's pitch black. I don't have a headlight or any kind. I have to I, like hold my flashlight like this, right? And so I'm noticing the river's going very fast the other way. And I tell him, I'm like, hey, um, what's the plan here? <laughs> what are you going to do? He's like, just get in. We're just going to go that way. I'm like, okay, so it's that easy, right, just to get in and go opposite the river. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he gets in, and he's going for it, right? Like, but he's not going anywhere. <laughs> like, he's just going for it. And eventually he gets to the other side, and he starts like, just, he's like, hey, come on. I'm like, all right. So I get in. I'm, I'm going. I'm like, hey, I'm not moving. Like, I'm not going anywhere. My my kayak starts turning, and I'm just like, oh my, right. And so, long. I'm gonna make it. I'm trying to make it short as possible. So so I get a little bit further down the the river, and I'm holding my flashlight like this, and trying to like it's just a terrible time. Now I get to this point where it's really rushing. Like the river's really rushing, and and I'm trying to get through it. I'm pushing, and and then my my kayak starts getting water in the kayak, and I'm like. I begin to think, like, I'm going to die. This is the end of my life. And, and it's funny. Like, we're laughing, but I was dead serious in myself. I'm, I'm my, you know, the flashback of my kids are going. I'm like, Liam's going to go to college without me. If he makes it, I hope he does. You know what I mean? And I'm thinking of all this. And as I'm trying to save my life, of course, you know, that's when my wife begins to call, right, always at that time. And I'm trying to save my life, and I'm going, I'm going. And I'm like, I'm going to die. Like, this is it. This is the end of it. And so I shouted to Pastor Angel. I was never going to say, hey, I need your help. Or, hey, come help me. Because, again, that would, that would have been a story on me, right? He would have held that against me forever. So I said, hey, I can't go anywhere. I'm going to get out right here. You keep going. And so I ended up getting out. And I lived. I survived. I was all wet. And, and my wife called. She thought I shot myself. And it was just just crazy, crazy day, right? I've never been hunting since. So I don't know if I will. But but the reason I share that story is because there was this, there was this river that was so powerful and when I was trying to go against it I was just making it harder for myself now again the river was going in a direction that I didn't want to go into but the Bible talks about how the river is within us it says that if anyone is thirsty let him come to me he who believes me as the scripture says from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water the river of living water is not a river that you can control the river of living water is not a river that you can steer yourself in the direction that you want to go. 
The river of living water is a river that is available to those who are willingly and ready to surrender fully to say, take me where you go. I could have easily thrown the, the little paddle or whatever it was away and just said, okay, wherever you want to go, river, let's do it. But honestly, and I know this sounds cheesy, but when it comes to the Holy Spirit, that's the attitude that we need to have. The reason you're so frustrated with church, can I tell you, the reason you're so frustrated with God, the reason you're so frustrated with your walk with him is because you're still, you're still trying to tell him what direction to go. And you still got your paddles out and you're trying to push yourself in a certain direction that God is not wanting you to go. And what, is, what do we call that? We call that grieving the spirit. When we do opposite of what he's asking us to do. Now here's the thing about the, the river of living water is that you can get out. You can get out and do your own thing. But you will never be fully satisfied until you fully surrender to that river, to the Holy Spirit within you. That's why Jesus says, he who has found his life will lose it. But he who has lost his life for my sake will find it. What is he saying? He's saying those who are fully surrendered to the Lord will end up where they were always meant to be. Those who fully surrender themselves to the Spirit of God will begin to live a life that they were meant to live. Close to the Father. Close to Him, knowing Him. This is the baptism of the Holy Spirit where we come to the Lord and we say, I know that I'm saved. I know that you've been working in my life, but God, today I fully surrender to you. And yes, there were signs that happened when people got baptized with the Holy Spirit. They begin to speak with new tongues. They begin to be bold for the things of God. Yes, that all happened. But can I tell you this? The river of living water, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is not a one-time event. It is a process. It's a process of surrender after surrender after surrender after surrender after surrender. And the more you do it, the easier it gets. The easier it gets. But it starts with saying, Lord, I fully surrender to you. Every thought that I had, every mentality that I have, every, every dollar that I have, every relationship that I have, everything in my life, God, now belongs to you. And some of us will never, we will never receive this baptism because we're never willing to release what we hold on to. One more thing about this baptism is it never runs dry. The Holy Spirit never runs dry. There's never a season where the Holy Spirit is not working. There's never a time in your life where God won't speak to you. The Holy Spirit is always working. It says this in, in, in Zechariah 14.8. This is, this is a reference that Jesus was using when he was talking about the living water. It says, on that day, living water will flow out from Jerusalem, half of the Dead Sea and the other half to the Mediterranean Sea. This will happen for the summer as well as the winter. This river that he's talking about says in every season, it's going to flow. Can I, can I say this? That's why those that are filled with the Spirit still have joy, even though their circumstances say they shouldn't. Because the river gives them joy and the river never runs dry. That's why those in a, in a, in a, in a healthy Spirit-filled marriage still love each other when the finances don't look good and, and when things are falling apart, when the kids are messing up. That's why, they, because they have the living water, the river that never runs dry. Some of us, we're trying so hard, we're trying so hard to do it by ourselves 
when all you really need to do is surrender and let the Holy Spirit work in you. So why don't we bow our heads and close our eyes. We hope that you enjoyed this message. For more information on our church, you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at ReclaimTX or check us out on our website, ReclaimChurchTX.com. Thank you for listening.